You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Thank you. What an intro, right? (laughs) I do all that stuff. Um, Okay. (laughs) Um, Hello, and I am so, so glad that you guys are here today. Um, I just want to encourage you guys. I just want you to, if I have one person in this audience today, then I will feel good about, about what I have to say. But I just, my heart is to, like he said, I want people to know how freaking amazing they are and to know that, that, that life doesn't have to be a drag. <laughs> And, um, it can be awesome and it can be awesome despite the drag. So, um, um, I'm excited to get started. So I am so honored. I'm going to read a little bit because there's some things I want to say. I'm so honored and humbled to have the privilege to share my heart with you all today. I love this church and I love and respect Robin and Donna so much. I'm so grateful that they started this community um, a little more than 12 years ago, and that my sister, who is here, she doesn't even live here, but she's miraculously here on the day that I'm speaking, who uh, she found out about the church 12 years ago, and she um, she came home and told me about this church that meets on Sunday nights at the Visual Light Theater, and she begged me to go with her. And I was extremely skeptical. I didn't go to church at the time. Um, I was taking a break. And um, she begged me to go with her. And when, when I first walked into that Sunday night service at the Visual Light Theater in that dark, dingy place that stunk, um, I felt the overwhelming love of God. I was so disillusioned by religion. I didn't trust church people. I thought everyone who was on the platform was a phony. And when I walked into Queen City Church, I didn't feel any of that. I didn't feel religion. I didn't feel ickiness. I felt love. I felt unconditional love of God. And so I kept coming back against my better judgment. And um, and I can truly say that my life has utterly and completely changed for the better because of this church. I have the teachings that I've learned here and internalized have transformed my life. Even though I've been saved for almost 40 years, almost 40 years, (laughs) y'all. I look young, I know. Um, I met Jesus while being a part of this church. I met him, the real live person of Jesus, and it has utterly changed my life. And I've also made lifelong friends here. So my life is better because of you. And I am so deeply thankful to get the opportunity to speak today. And as a woman, you know, I'm always like, I'd love to see a woman speaking up on the stage. And then it was me. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess... I'm going to be the woman speaking on the stage. So here I am. And as Stuart mentioned, today is the, we're doing a series called The Easy Burden. And today is part three. 
And I just want to read the, um, I'm not going to read like my, I'm reading the burden, the easy burden scripture. So it's Matthew 11, 28, 30. And this is the message translation because I love a different translation. Are you tired? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So that Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 is the verse of this series. It's not my verse for today, but I wanted to start there because I believe that Jesus shows us how to live freely and lightly. And we mostly don't live freely and lightly, if you're anything like me. (laughs) We live tired and worn out and burdened down with the things of life, right? And so I wanted to dive into how do we live freely and lightly? Because I want more of that, right? I heard you. She said, me too. Um, so easy means achieved without great effort. Achieved without great effort. Presenting few difficulties. So the, the, um, the title of my sermon is Anticipators of Goodness. Because my actual verse is Romans 8.28. And we've all heard it seven bajillion times, right? But I'm going to read the amplified version, and I think it's going to be up on the screen. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. So Romans 8.28, like probably most of you have that memorized. We've heard it so many times, you can almost glaze over when you hear it because you're like, yeah, 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 I've heard that verse before. But it's huge. That is a huge message. God is working. Whatever is going on in your life right now, God is conspiring to turn it around for your good. And in closing, no, I'm just kidding. I always wanted to say that. (laughs) No, but the message here is so massive. It's a cheat code, if you will. It's a life cheat code. It's hiding in plain sight. It's so, we hear this message, we hear this scripture so often that we're just like, yeah, 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 right? God is working all things together for good for those who love God. But it's everything. It's everything. God is concerned with every detail of your life. He is concerned about 
things that make you happy and things that make you sad and things that are awful and horrific that happen to you, like that matters to him. He is concerned with every detail of your life. And so he is not just the alpha and the omega. He is Emmanuel, God with us forever. That means he is not, he is with us, with us through all of that. And so I just wanted to kind of hopefully encourage you with this verse today and go into it more, obviously, but it is, to me, it's a cheat code. It's, it's hiding in plain sight. And it's, if we really internalize it, I feel like it is, it's grace for us. Um, so here are some other similar version, similar sentiments and other scriptures. Um, I love this one. Psalm 23, 6. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. His goodness is chasing us down every day of our lives. And I love that. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Ephesians 3, 20, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imaginations. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. God is good. She, she agrees. God is good. And I believe that he wants you to have a good life. I believe his best for you involves contrasts and challenges and mountains to climb. Because life would be boring without a mountain to climb. If you woke up every day and it was just birds chirping and it was just like, oh, like everything's wonderful. Like it would be extremely boring. It would. We would like it for a while. But life isn't just margaritas on the beach on vacation your whole life. Because without work, without trouble, what is the beach vacation about, right? So I believe that that contrast is built into life. God said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, right? We are gonna have trouble. But I think in this Romans 8.28, God is trying to show us that, yeah, there's trouble, but guess what? I'm working it all out for you, girl. I'm gonna work it all out. Yes, I'm gonna work it all out. It might look a hot mess right now, but that does, it's not done yet. If it's not good, it's not done yet. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. So to tell you a little bit more about me, I am, when I met my, I'm married. And when I met my husband, I was 37 years old. So there was a lot of God having to work a lot of things out for my good in the 37 years that I waited for him, right? I was like, and 
where is my husband? So I know that there's plenty of people in this room that understand that. So I finally met my husband at 37 years old. And two year, two months into knowing him, he had his first major heart incident that put him in the emergency room. And I remember barely knowing this man standing in the trauma unit of the emergency room. There are 90 million people working on him. The heart monitor is going like high 200s beats a minute. And I'm like standing in this like this, like what is going on? So that that incident proceeded to um, tell us, we find out that he has a heart condition that he never knew about and he was 40 years old. And it was a genetic, it's a genetic heart condition. And basically, usually how you find out you have it is you die. Because there's no, you know, because it's very hard to find. And you die of sudden cardiac arrest. And that is your life. And that's how they know you have it. So, great. I met my husband. I'm 37 years old. We're two months into knowing each other. And he has a genetic heart condition that could kill him any minute of any day. Great. Awesome. So, then we proceed to, you know, have to find doctors and have to go through all of that of, you know... Something, the thing is, is like, we have a manual for our lives. We don't, we have, we have a story that we think our lives are going to look like, right? We're like, I'm going to, you know, marry someone when I'm da, 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 and everything. We're going to live happily ever after, and we're going to have 2.5 kids and a picket fence. We all have that, whether we like it or not, we all have this manual for our lives, and so in my manual, first of all, I, it didn't, it didn't involve uh, marrying a man who had a genetic heart condition that could kill him any second of any day. That wasn't in the plan, right? So, and that's what life is like, right? You're going along in your life and then something horrific happens like that. And you're like, that was not a part of the plan, God. And, um, I'm, that's not very cool. Okay. So. I'm not good with that. But God is working all things for our good, right? It took me a while to get there. (laughs) So we get married. A couple weeks before we got married, his doctor um, implanted a, um, a defibrillator on his heart that lives inside of his chest. And we got married. The defibrillator, the defibrillator is there to keep him alive. Thank you, defibrillator. And um, so we get married. And for the first six or seven months of our marriage, it was perfect. He was healthy. He was asymptomatic. Nothing was wrong. I was like, okay, we could do this. We're fine. We got, we got medicine. We're, we're good. You know, we're, this is fine. It's not even that big a deal. And in June of 2019... Um, he had his first incident where his defibrillator went off and shocked him 
and shocked him and shocked him and shocked him. And that is terrifying for the person and for the person who is madly, deeply in love with this person experiencing that. So I remember the, you know, EMTs like rush into our home and scoop him out away in the ambulance. And I'm following behind the ambulance and I'm like, wow, this is, this is my life. Like this isn't someone else's life that I'm like watching on TV. This is like my life. And my husband is in that ambulance and I am behind it. And I am like, this is happening to me. (laughs) And so that was horrific. They got him together. And um, after some time, we go home. And then it's just, to me, then it became just the waiting game for the next time that happened. I was like, like watching all the time, like, when is it going to go off? 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 Yeah, that's an exciting way to live. Um, so some time went on and he was fine-ish. And that year he was very symptomatic. There was a lot of hospital visits. There was a lot of terror for me, I'm sure for him as well, because it's such a life and death disease. And so... Anyways, in October of that year, he had another terrible incident again, and he was in the hospital for many days. They couldn't seem to get his heart to settle down. And um, so they ended up having to do a major surgery on him. And But the damage was already done for me at that point. Because I was traumatized. I wasn't being an anticipator of good. I was being an anticipator of bad. (laughs) You know? And I think that's what our culture is, right? It's like, anticipate bad. That's the wise thing to do. You know, you gotta plan for the bad. You gotta, you gotta worst case scenario it out and be wise and know how to deal with the things. And so I was being an anticipator of that. And basically, if he was in another room and he was quiet for like longer than 30 seconds, I was panicking that he was dead. (laughs) That is horrific, a horrific way to live. But that's where I was at. And so I... I um I started to have panic attacks. In the middle of the night, I would wake up totally out of my mind, panicking. And it was because I was just trying to hold it all together, man. <laughs> all day, every day, just like holding it all together. But like in my subcon in my sleep, when everything was kind of like relaxed, is when my body was like traumatized and I was having these reactions to it. So that wasn't working for me. That's no way to live. And I think that's what happens to a lot of us when we go through like horrific things or life is really hard. We aren't 
We internalize it. We're, we're thinking worst case scenarios all the time. We're thinking like, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to fix this? How, like you, you can imagine your brain is just like going a hundred miles an hour because you're, you're, you're just stressed. <laughs> and I think that is the, it is the, um, it's the thermometer to know. <laughs> that you are carrying a burden that is not the burden that Jesus is talking about in in the in the scripture the the my yoke is easy my burden is light a good indicator that things are off is the burden feels heavy it's the indicator it's the indicator i use now when I'm walking around and I, when, and I, and the burden of life feels heavy, I know that something is off and I'm not carrying Jesus's burden. <laughs> I mean, the burden that he wants me to carry, the easy burden. I have the whole weight of the world on my shoulders and I think somehow I'm going to fix it or I'm going to hold it all together or something. So I want to talk about. I'm a practical girl, okay? I love a practical way to know how to deal with life. And I'm just speaking from experience because I lived that way for several months. And it and it was it was awful. And I finally had to I finally had an awakening moment. And I realized that my thoughts were not serving me. My thought was, I don't want my husband to die. I don't want my husband to die. I don't want my husband to die about a million times a day. But guess what, guys? My husband is alive. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. No, but he's alive. And so do you see how the thought, I don't want my husband to die, is not serving me in any way. It's actually, it's actually tormenting me, causing anxiety, causing fear, causing panic. I'm not even able to be present because every minute I'm with him, I'm like looking at him like, is this the minute? Is this the time? Is it good? Is it going to happen right now? And here's the thing, y'all. We can't prepare ourselves for the worst. We can't. You think about the worst thing that could possibly happen to you. You cannot prepare yourself for that. And why would you want to? It sucks every bit of life and joy and goodness out of the present moment. No matter what I did, I could not prepare myself for the worst. But I was trying to, and it was causing me to suffer greatly. So to how can we be anticipators of good? Okay, well, for one, you have to think, <laughs> yes, we love it. <laughs> His ring back tone. Um, we, you have to take every thought captive. Another cheat, another cheat code is you have to take every thought captive. 
the thing is our mind is like, we believe everything we think. You know, we're like, oh, that's a terrible thing. I'm going to believe that. My, I, my husband, I'm going to walk in from work one day and my husband's going to be dead in my house. That is a great thought to just ruminate on all the time. <laughs> Isn't that, it's a very pleasant thought, but we do it. We do it. We do it. We, we think like we, we spend way more time thinking bad things and then we think, well, then we spend time thinking good things. But here's the thing. When we think a thought, it creates a feeling. So if you think a thought, um, I'm going to get a raise next week. It creates a feeling of like, yeah, okay. That's exciting. That's awesome, right? So it creates this feeling inside of us and then it creates an action. Because if you're excited, if you have a, if you have a thought that is creating excitement, then the action and the result will be positive. But if you walk around thinking a lot of negative thoughts, you're going to feel, imagine, you know, panic, anxiety, fear, worry. And so you're walking around with all those emotions happening. And then the result in your life, you're going to be acting out of fear. You're going to be acting out of panic. You're going to be acting out of anxiety rather than the way that God, I don't think that that's how God wants us to walk around acting and thinking and behaving. Because coming back to the verse again, God is working all things for our good. So what is there to worry about? No, seriously. If God is working all things for our good, what is there to worry about? Yeah, there's going to be bad stuff that happens. We can't get by that, unfortunately. But but knowing it's like he's working all things for our good, well, okay. Even if something horrific happens... I know he's going to work it out for my good. Like I want my natural reaction to something bad happening for me to be like, that's fine. God is work going to work this out. I've been, oh yes, yes girl. She's waving back there. I feel that. That's what I want my natural reaction to be when bad things happen. It's all right. That's all right. There must be something good that's coming, coming down the bend. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I don't know what that means, but that is in the Bible. And so I'm going to have faith that God is who he says he is. Either he is who he says he is, and he's, he's, he is working all things for my good, or it is all a fairy tale. What is it? Can't be, it's gotta be one or the other. So I want my natural reaction to life happening to say, God's gonna work this all for my good. And that is the easy burden. Do you know why? It is so against our culture. It is so against our natural tendency. You're like, God is going to work all things for my good. Well, you live in a fairy tale land, girlfriend. 
Like this is real life. That's, that's what our natural propensity is. It's like, God isn't, God is gonna, we're gonna go to heaven when we die. That's what he means while he's working all things for our good. I don't think that's what he means. I don't think his best for us is for us to just barely get through life dragging like a zombie. I don't think that's his best. How are we supposed to bless others if we are barely getting by ourselves? I think his best for us is to thrive even through the horrific things that happen to us. I know it's a stretch to our minds, but I believe that is the way that God wants us to live. So because I'm a practical girly, I'm going to give you some, some things that you can do to be an anticipator of good. Okay? Do I need to end at 12? Is that the deal? Ish. I'll probably be there. Is everybody okay? Are you fine? Okay. So how to be an anticipator of goodness. One, you have to take every thought captive. And that is a daily, sometimes minute to minute thing. Especially if you're going through the thick of it. If you're going through the thick of something and you are in the depths of despair, it's going to take you minute by minute to say, what am I thinking? Oh, I'm thinking that, you know, I'm going to be bankrupt and live on the street because I can't pay my electric bill, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like we think these extreme thoughts. And so the, the, the indicator is the weight feels heavy. That is your first indication Ooh, not feeling light and easy today. Must be thinking something that is not what God thinks. Okay, that's the first indicator. Taking every thought captive. So with Douglas, my husband, I was thinking regularly, I don't want my husband to die. I don't want my husband to die. I don't want my husband to die. I was on a different planet about 99% of the time. I wasn't even in the same room with him. He was alive and living and sitting right there, but I was like pretending like he was dead because I was on planet Mars in my thoughts. You know what I mean? And once I realized that I could change that thought to something that actually served me, I was like, okay, Douglas is alive, Right now, he is alive and living and sitting right there. Okay, that feels better. I can handle that. And I think one of the most beautiful things that I got from this whole situation is that now I know that life is not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed that I'm going to get to live with him till I'm a hundred years old and we're going to die holding hands in our easy boy chairs. You know what I mean? I know that life is not promised to me and it could be gone in an instant. And if you believe anything else, you're believing a delusion (laughs) because life is not promised to any of us. And so what it made me do is enjoy and appreciate and live in this moment that I have with him where he is alive and well and okay and fine. 
I don't need to put him in the grave in my brain ahead of time. But we do that, you know? And so once I like realized I was thinking that thought, it doesn't mean that thought isn't going to come back. That thought might come back tomorrow. And I can say, well, you know what, brain? He's alive. He's alive right now. And I'm going to live my life to the fullest with him until he breathes his last breath. So take captive every thought. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. You take every thought captive. And I'm not even talking about like the bad, the really bad stuff like death. I mean, you, you have the opportunity to take any thought captive you want. If you're feeling really anxious about whatever it is, your math test, you can say, I'm feeling anxious right now. What am I thinking? Oh, I'm really terrified of this math test. Well, I know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. The Holy Spirit has all of the intelligence and wisdom and knowledge of the universe. And I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And so I don't have to worry. That's what I mean by taking every thought captive. And that is available to you all day, every day, 365 days a year. And that is your first way to be an anticipator of goodness. Because if God is working all things for your good, you just got to get in that lane. And you get there with your thoughts. Number one. Number two. Be thankful in all things. The first Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Okay, that's really hard. Thank you, Jesus, for giving my husband a heart, a life-killing disease. I appreciate, thank you. I appreciate that. No, but here's the thing. The Bible says to do it. It's the easy burden, y'all. It's countercultural to our our culture. It's countercultural. It's like doesn't make sense to our mind to be thankful for horrific things. But the Bible says to be thankful in all circumstances. So, okay. What can I be thankful for about this? Well, There's a hospital about one minute from our home, a good hospital. In that hospital is a doctor who is a specialized, the specialized doctor, surgeon for his condition, one of the best in the United States of America. He actually is, he actually is the doctor that diagnosed him. And he is right down the street. We can see him any minute, you know, that we need him. He did such precise, incredible surgeries on him that have given him a life. Okay? Every time we were in the hospital, it was the most precious, sweetest times of our marriage that I will always 
always hold dear to my heart. I would get up in that hospital bed with him and I would, we would watch shows or just laugh and talk. And I learned so much about a heart condition that I never thought I would ever learn about. Um, there's like a million things to be thankful for in this situation, but it's very easy to be like, why did this happen to us? Why did this happen to him? This isn't fair. This isn't right. Why does he have to live this way? Why, you know, you could run down all of the awful things, right? Or you can say, our marriage is something special because we know that life is fleeting and we live that way every single day of our lives with each other. We're like, this is precious. Every moment moment we have together is precious. And that is a gift, y'all. That is a gift that his heart condition gave to us. There's so many things. He probably has things that he would say, but um, now there's a medication. We, we've found amazing medications that help him. And it's just... There's so many things, but like if you walk around with the mindset that there's nothing to be thankful for, this is the most awful thing that's ever happened to me, then you'll feel awful, (laughs) you know, and like who wants to feel awful? So they are thankful in all things. Number three, remember what God has done for you in the past. Remember his faithfulness. Psalms 105, one through six. I love this one. Tell everyone you meet what he has done. Sing him songs, belt out hymns, translate his wonders into music. Honor his holy name with hallelujahs who seek God. Live a happy life. Keep your eyes open for God. Watch for his works. Be alert for signs of his presence. Remember the world of wonders he has made, his miracles and the verdicts he's rendered. He is good and it always is good for us to remember what he has done for us in the past because when we are going through it, it's really easy to forget. (laughs) You know, remember the faithfulness of God. Remember that He is working all things for your good. And that even though there were times that I was not in a good place with the situation, I was stressed beyond imagination. It was affecting my body, my physical body, my health, my mind. It was tearing me up. And um, something that can renew hope in you in an instant is to talk about what God has done for you in the past to remember his goodness to you, to remember that he came through in the last minute, to remember the good things that he has done for you because he'll do it again. If he did it once, he can do it again. Yes, and it's just good to remember. It's good, basically, that is like, it's, it's, um, it's talking like the Bible says the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's like our spirit inside of us is like really willing to be like, come on, girl. And your flesh is like, this is awful, you know? And so you have to kind of like build up your spirit to say like, there's a better way. Remember what God has done. Remember to be thankful. Remember 
to look for the good because he's working it out for us, right? And lastly, remembering that we only have grace for today. We don't have grace for two years from now. I don't have grace for God forbid when Douglas goes to heaven, whenever that is. Hopefully it's when he's 105. I don't have grace for that. And and sitting in today, like, I don't know what that's going to be like. But like, we don't have grace for that. We don't have grace for worst case scenarios that are going to happen or may or may not happen six months or six years or 60 years from now. So remember, you just have grace for today. God has given you grace and all that you need for today. Focus on that. Focus on how you can get through today because the grace is not there for tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow, the Bible says. And that will take a little bit of more of that burden off. So there are four things that will help you live lightly and freely. And again, this is a practice. This is something that you have to practice. It's not something that just comes natural. It's very natural to think bad thoughts. It's very natural to complain. It's very natural to not think that things are going to work out for you, but God said it. And I believe it. And I believe that this is, um, I believe that if you live this way, it will give you joy to get you through the hardest times of your life. Being thankful, renewing your mind, remembering the goodness of God, remembering that his grace is sufficient for you. It is made perfect in weakness. It comes to its fullest fullest flourishing in our weakness. So that's all good news. And I just want to encourage you, if you're going through a hard time in your life, I know what that's like. And I want to pray for you to have a breakthrough in your mind. Because we can't change circumstances. Most times we can't change circumstances. We have no control over a lot of the things that happen in our lives. But we do have control over this. And I believe that God wants to set you free, bring you freedom to your mind today. Cool? So I just want to pray for you. So if you are feeling like you're going through it and you need a prayer. <laughs> Just what what do you feel comfortable? Hand stand. <laughs> Hand stand. <laughs> um anyone? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. There we go. Let's all stand. And the good news is, is my husband is alive and well. 
<laughs> and he's awesome. Um, so just raise your hands with me. If you are a person who's going through it and you need a breakthrough in your mind, you need to see the goodness of God in your life right now when things do not seem good. Raise your hand. Jesus, 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 thank you for your words, for the cheat codes of life that you give to us. Thank you that you care about every detail of our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. God, thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. You are never going to let us down. You are never going to leave us alone to suffer. Thank you that you are working every single detail. You are conspiring to work it all for our good. So I pray for every single person here who is struggling in their mind. God, I pray that you would just do something so powerful in their thoughts, God, that you would just, that you would give them your thoughts that you would give them the light burden. You would take the burden off of them and put your light and easy burden on them. That they would feel that, Lord, and that they would have an awareness of when they're starting to think thoughts that aren't good, that they're thinking that their life is not, you're not turning things around for their good. I pray that you would give them grace. You would give them peace. You would give them eyes to see the good. That you would make them an anticipator of your goodness, God. That they would anticipate your goodness coming around every corner. That they would walk around in their lives saying, you know what? I can't wait to see how God is going to turn this for your good, for his good, for my good. I pray that you would do something so powerful in each life, God. Because you're so good. You are so good to us. You are so kind. You are so loving. You care about every detail of our lives. You are with us through every dark time, every valley, every mountain we climb. You are there with us. Let us feel your closeness and your tenderness and your love towards us. Speak your words over our hearts and, and calm our fears and calm our anxieties. Help us to trust you more and more, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. We do have prayer groups, a prayer team. If you guys want any additional prayer, I would highly recommend you get prayer because prayer changes things. And if you're a part of this church, we don't want you to struggle. We don't want you to be on the struggle bus. (laughs) We want you to have prayer, to have anything that you need to try to help you emotionally and as any way that we can support that. We love you. I bless you. I bless your life, your comings and your goings. Bless your family. Bless your week. Bless it all. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.